You're listening to the podcast about, that's right, about nothing. Available on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud.com. Welcome to another episode of the podcast about nothing. Jesse and I are joined by David Schwartz, who's the uh, owner, proprietor, operator of DavidMadeIt.com. Hopefully I got that correct. He's also a former collaborator, worker with... uh, the pop artist Prince, who uh, you're well aware recently passed away, um, and may be having an upcoming uh, tribute tour. How are you doing, Dave? Doing pretty good. You heard Dave or David? David. Okay, David. There you go. Hi, everybody. I'm here. It's Jesse. I remember to introduce her this time. <laughs> Usually he leaves me out. I don't know what it is. It's just... As we were saying in the beginning, Dave runs uh, DavidMade.com. Why don't you give everybody a little, uh, like a snapshot of what you do? Sure. Um, I've been designing for over 17 years now. I started with album covers, but now I'm uh, more on the TV and film side and brand side. So I do, I'm art director for websites for um, films and TV shows mainly. And we also do some mobile apps. Um, I do some branding and logo work too as well, product packaging. Uh, things like that. So, what, what, how did you like get into that line of work? What did you do prior? Um, I think when I was in high school, I um, started messing around with Photoshop on a Mac, and then I, I did like a weekend course just for fun to see um, if I would like designing in it. I, I wound up just falling in love with it. Started off for fun in the beginning, just like putting my face into other images and just clowning around, and then I started getting kind of good, and people were offering me money for it, and then I decided to go to school. Um, so I went to art school, and I dropped out after a year um, to pursue music. And um, it's, I, um, later on, I went back and I started my own design business uh, about five years after that. Oh, so you're like a self-starter type, totally unlike me. I missed out on the whole <laughs> computer like learning thing. I would be so far ahead of people now that I, I mean, I do some editing and stuff, but for some of the like, older uh-huh. guys in there, just, it's just because they just don't want to be bothered with a computer. So anybody seems like a genius to them. Uh, yeah, especially David. Yeah. So what are some of the, oh, yeah. um, you said you worked on some notable uh, TVs or movies. Why don't you rattle off some for the listeners here? Um, I just did a social media campaign for the movie Trainwreck for Amy Schumer, which mm-hmm. was really successful. Um, we basically we built a lot of content written by Amy and her sister for um, for the film, and we would, we would come up with some creative designs or copy, and then they would post it on their various accounts, like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and we promote the movie. Um, another one, I just did Zoolander 2, uh, the website, um, and we did some, I did some things for Hannibal for a TV show that, um, a bunch of campaigns for that. It was pretty fun. Okay, and um, how, now how did you hook up with Mr. Prince, as they say? <laughs> How did that come about, basically? <laughs> that was uh, an interesting story. When I was um, I was living in Minneapolis when I was... I moved to Minneapolis from New Jersey. I was born in New York. I grew up in Jersey. But moved to Minneapolis when I was nine years old. Um, started writing songs around 10. And then once I got around eight, 16, 18, 19, I started uh, recording my own music and putting it out locally and performing uh, local shows around town and I wound up meeting one of his uh, keyboard players, Morris Hayes, and um, I over Morris's studio, I 
I um, met another guy by the name of Kip Blackshire, and Kip was also just starting to play keyboards for Prince uh, that year. Um, Prince had two keyboard players, and Kip and I became really good friends, and we started making music together, and they started bringing me around Paisley Park um, to some of the concerts at, at night. Prince would throw parties. Sometimes he'd perform, and um, I met him once or twice just in passing. You know, they're like, hey, this is, you know, devious. They called me the, the three letters DCS for David Schwartz, um, my nickname. And I met him a couple times, but we didn't really, um, we didn't really hit it off until one day I came out to watch a rehearsal and he called me up on stage during the, the private rehearsal. And we just started jamming together for a couple hours. Like we were just doing a bunch of songs and me and him were riffing back and forth. He would sing a chorus and I would rap a little bit in between and I had him busting up laughing. And, and then, uh, later that day, he, um, Said he wanted to work with me and wanted me to start coming out more, and then that led to a whole bunch of other stuff. All right, so you you worked for a period of about how many years with him at that point? Once you guys started uh, that relationship, about, about about two years. So, what was your like uh, music style up to meeting him? Because he said you rapped a little bit. Um, I wasn't that much. You know, it was at that time. Um, it was sort of like a big underground hip hop movement, um, like with atmosphere and rhyme shares in Minneapolis. It was like they were the kings of the city for for hip hop and for lyricists and and all of that for people that that are really into that. That you know they were the pinnacle of that, and they had a lot of success. And I was kind of an outsider because I wasn't that much of a hip hop head. I wasn't really like a battle rapper, but I had been in love with hip hop for ten years, like since I was like eight years old at that point. So. Um, I don't know, I just kind of did my own thing, and um, I um, I wanted to kind of infuse more rock and R&B, because I come from a rock background, too. I grew up on Sting, and Bruce Springsteen, and Jeff Leppard, and Guns N' Roses, so I wanted to incorporate more of like a like a fusion for my music. I didn't want to just be like a backpack rapper, you know? I wanted to kind of venture out and have some sort of different style, so I started trying to form my own band, but it was just really hard trying to get people together and get the kind of sounds I was looking for, and uh, it was really a blessing to meet all the Prince's band members, and we started a band together, because they were already, you know, they were really, really tight, and they were really um, dedicated and worked around the clock, so I was finally able to work on some really good music with them. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how funny was Prince? Because they say he's a pretty funny guy. Would you give him, like, <laughs> Yeah, behind closed doors, he's, he's hilarious. He's a joke a minute, and you always got to be on the top of your game. Because if you're not paying attention, like, he'll, he'll just tear you apart. Like, you got to... And then he'll call you out for not, you know, getting a joke or for not this or that. Like, he's, he's always sharp and hilarious. <laughs> were, you, um, were you ever struck by his musical geniosity, as they say? <laughs> Did you have like a dumbstruck moment? Like this guy's ridiculous, you know? Yeah, I mean, he would, he could make a sound out of anything. He'll go to the lobby, grab some candy wrappers, and hold them up to the microphone and make a, you know, make a noise with the candy wrap. Like he'll find all, all sorts of new ways to make sounds. And yeah, he's he's just, just from another planet. So you said he started a, a band with his band members. What was the name of that band? Well. Prince had a, a drummer named Kirk Johnson who was with him for a very long time. He was actually one of Prince's best friends. And Kirk had a band called the Funky Baldheads. 
um, that he had started it about it. I don't know, maybe a couple of years or a year before I even met Kurt, uh, or started working with him. And I think they had a couple singers and they were looking for a specific sound and they weren't, I guess they weren't really getting the kind of sound maybe they were looking for. And I had already been working with Prince for about six months and Kip and I had some interesting songs together, interesting chemistry and, and Prince suggested you know, hey, what do you guys think about, you know, coming on the road and maybe you guys could front the Funky Boys and, like, they could, you know, you guys could write the songs and perform the songs and take it on the road because they don't really have, like, a friend man right now. So, we, um, it was Prince's idea and we just started messing around and, you know, they played some of the songs I had already written, some songs they already written and I tried to make them work for me and, and we just, um, started making a record. So, did you guys make more than one, or how did that work out for you? No, no, we only made one record. Um, we only made one record, and we were we were going to start another one, but which is, I think, uh, everybody after the Prince tour, everybody just kind of did their own thing. Some of them went on to, um, I think, two or three of the members played in Justin Timberlake's band for like ten years, and one of them was with Christina Aguilera. They all split off and went to kind of play for other bands because they didn't make a living and we couldn't depend on Prince when when Prince wasn't touring or putting out promoting our record or helping out it was kind of like we were on our own so everybody had to make a living yeah so we were talking offline how did the um, thing the lawsuit I guess it was a lawsuit or him refusing to work for Warner Brothers anymore how did how did that impact you guys if at all um, actually at the time I met him he was starting to talk to Warner Brothers again he he had just changed his name back to Prince um, right around the time I met him. And he was negotiating with Warner Brothers to get all the rights back to his masters and sign a new deal. And it was supposedly supposed to be the biggest deal ever for an artist in history because Mariah Carey had just got some ridiculous uh, deal. It was like the highest paid deal ever. And he told Warner Brothers if they can beat that, he'll, he'll do a new deal. And I think they were getting really close, but for some reason it never happened. Hmm. He stayed independent, independent till the end. Yeah, I saw an article or an interview with him talking about that. Telling people that's the best way to go. Is, I mean, it's easy for him to say he's got the money, but exactly that's mm-hmm. right. And I think he started realizing that too, because it was it was really hard for him to to um to push some stuff towards the end. But I I, th- I think he didn't care either. Like he always he doesn't want to repeat himself. He doesn't want to make you know a pop sound to try to fit in. He just wants to make whatever you want and for a while it was just you know funk and and soul and not so much you know what people would consider commercial pop music he didn't he was kind of done with that and it was a choice i think if he really wanted to he could have easily done it i think he just he didn't he didn't care yeah he, i mean he's like he didn't really need to yeah exactly because we were saying again offline uh, when he did a super bowl performance that just showed you how relevant he still was you know for people that thought maybe you know he, he was out of touch with the fan base yeah, right. Sixty thousand people singing along with him <laughs> in the rain, ironically enough. <laughs> the rain. And, uh, right. You know, so he was still, you know, in everybody's minds. You know, he didn't never went away. I also remember him being like a big, not a proponent, I guess, against. Like he wouldn't give up any of his music to like rock band or Guitar Hero, because he wanted kids to no, learn to play actually, a real actually, a lot of things. He pro- he probably missed out on a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. That's also one of the reasons why he's so highly regarded and respected too. So he didn't, he didn't sell out. He wouldn't let his stuff be used in car commercials. He wouldn't let 
you know, Weird Al Yankovic, I think, offered him like something like a million bucks or something to to do one of his songs a few times, and he just kept saying no, no, no. Like, he just he didn't like people making fun of his his art or using it or watering it down or making it to sell something that he didn't he didn't care about. He just he just didn't care. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's unique when you have the ability to say that, you know, or you don't need to right. sell it out to someone. I just remember it was it was a thing because we had Guitar Hero, me and Jesse, and I was like, where are the Prince songs? And I was like, I don't know. And I yeah, and I, I like, did. Hey, I asked. I'm like, yeah. That? yeah. He wanted kids to learn how to play a real instrument, <laughs> not, you know. I know, and that's, he's an advocate for that, so that's like, yeah, probably another reason. There are very few artists yeah. that, that do it, you know. I mean, when I was younger and actually paid more attention to music, it was him, the girl, uh, what's it, Jewel? Jewel, plays, like, yeah. her own guitar. But uh, I don't know that there's, outside of rock bands, you know, there's not too many pop artists or, or anything like that that would, I'm sure they're able to, they just don't. Like, Justin Timberlake seems like a pretty versatile guy. But yeah. did, did you happen to come across any of uh, any other big names while you were doing that tour? Yeah, I met, I met a lot of people. Um a lot of people, you know, the, that's one thing about a Prince concert is that no matter what city we, we would go to, you know, the first row or the second row would always be filled with with stars. It's like the stars get almost starstruck in a in a way. They um, you never know who's gonna be in those front rows. And you can always expect so. So like every night I would come out there, and my stomach would fall out. My God, who's it going to be tonight? Like, who's going to be out there? And sometimes it would be people that are my heroes. They're like, I've been, you know, in love with my whole life, or just like their music or this or that. And they're like sitting there, and I have to entertain them for 20 minutes before Prince comes out. And it was just like, I can't even tell you the, the level of. <laughs> I was just so nervous. Oh, uh, you you got ridiculous. you got it, David. You got to tell that funny story that you told me about the balloon. Come on. About the what? The blow up balloon. <laughs> Oh no, I can't tell that one. Maybe, maybe in the future. I can't. It's too soon. I can't. Uh, can't go there right now. Uh, <laughs> you talking about ping pong or something like that? No, 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 no. Well, you can tell the ping pong Not, one. You can tell the ping pong one. Yeah, well, that, we, um, that, yeah, ping pong. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we we would play basketball almost every day or every other day together. Um, that was our thing. But I was never a big ping pong player. But he was super into ping pong he had a ping pong table there too and i only played him one day and we played we played <laughs> we played two games and he beat me probably like whatever he played what is it 12 or 13 or 20 what do you uh, 21, what did he play 21 21 21 might be 11 yeah i think the first two games he beat me 21 0 <laughs> and then <laughs> i mean this dude was you know you know when you see those old, old footage of people at the olympics where they're like 20 feet away from the board and they're like <laughs> Smacking it like they're not playing table tennis, but actual tennis. That's what he was. Doing. He was like, like John Macron out yeah, there, and I was like a five. I was like a five year old just standing there, like wondering when he's gonna hit it. And it's already past my face. <laughs> so he replayed one more game, and I think I I got like one point. But that killed me. But I did I did win some basketball games though. Oh, he did win. Oh, I did win some basketball games. Was he like hyper competitive type? Oh yeah. Ah okay. So some you know that's yeah. well that drive you know that yeah. they usually are. You know, I remember Michael Jordan. Um, I think it was his, his dad said before his dad had uh, I think his dad got killed actually, but he said Michael doesn't joke around with anything. Like he played checkers with him, and he's playing a win. Yeah. Play tic tac toe. He's playing. 
he's going to kill you. I said, how is that fun? But that's what right. drives some people. I'm usually just not like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I find that so fascinating, you know, that how he was constantly in his game, you know, just constantly trying to <laughs> make fun of someone, trying to get ahead, just trying to... <laughs> I like that about him. He seemed very playful, yeah? Like, very playful. Kind yeah. Of definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, what can you tell the, the people out there who are listening now, like, overall, if you could sum it up about Prince? Like, what is, in a few words or a, sentence, a couple of sentences, like, what would you say in overall that, that people need to know out there? Because, you know, the media has construed everything, I'm sure, and, you know, you hear bits and pieces, so you can't tell fact from fiction. But what would you say, you know, ultimately? Well, I don't know the details, but I feel like he he must have really got blindsided and caught up in whatever he was dealing with because he never drank, he didn't smoke, he didn't do drugs, he didn't even swear. He had a swear jar where if you cursed in the building, you'd have to pay for it. He was a vegetarian, he worked out every day. I mean, he was like... Poster job, how you should live your life with like no drugs, no alcohol. Like, he was like clean as a whistle. So, for that to go down the way it did, it's really sad. He must have just really, I don't know, if he, if it was the pain or he couldn't deal with the pain or if he just didn't know how much he was taking it or whatever happened, it just couldn't have been on purpose because that's, I don't know, it just wasn't like him. What was what was one of the last conversations you guys had? Do you remember? Like, what, how did it end? You know what I mean? Like, you just said, I'll um, see you in a few, or, yeah. The last time I ever saw him was in Atlanta. We were at a club called Opera House, and it was, um, it was a private party. It was after his concert. And um, it was, like, maybe, like, 10 or 20 people there. He just rented out the whole club and just threw, like, a private party for his friends with them, and um, I just asked him how he was doing. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And then um, and Dallas Austin was there, and he introduced me to Dallas. And then Prince asked me what I was doing in Atlanta, and I told him I started the demand and all these album covers. And so he, said, um, he introduced me to Dallas in case you know, he needed anything. And that was it. Awesome. Right. Did you think, you know, maybe I'll see you, you know, sometime down the road, or you were like, you know, of I'll course. go back yeah, home, course. you know? Of course. Yeah. 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 So, um. A lot of things I do, uh, you know, it's knowing that, you know, he would see it um, always made me work hard at everything, too, because, you know, he was almost like a, like a big brother, like a father figure, like an uncle. Like, I was, you know, he you know, he pushed me when I was younger and, like, helped me creatively. And so it's like you always want to impress your mentor. Like, you want to, you know, everything you do, you want them to hear it or see it and be proud and be like, ah, that's not cool. I always, like, everything I work on, I always do it knowing that, you know, he would see it. It it just kind of sucks that I know, like, you know, now, like, he wouldn't get a chance to see anything. Uh, You also did a, a couple of his album covers, is that correct? No, we did one album one album cover for an album called High where I was featured on two of the songs and I started working on a on a cover for it and then uh, he was going to use some of the artwork I did on the cover but then 
he decided not to put out the album at the last minute and put it in his famous vault, sealed it up, and started a new album. For some reason. So my album cover never got sealed. What is the... But maybe it will now that... Yeah, I was going to say, uh, what's the status... Stuff will come out. What's the yeah. status of his vault? Yeah, I mean, yeah, what's the status of his vault? Do you know mean, anything, David, or no? Just knowledge-wise, you know? I don't know what the... Until... No, until the, um, until the uh, trust company, you know, decides on who the person is that's going to take control of the estate, that stuff isn't going anywhere. And then when someone... When they do award someone the, the rights to everything, what's going to... My theory is that um, they're going to either personally hire someone to manage, distribute, and um, put that stuff out. Some of the stuff uh, to kind of be the, uh, you know, like a, like a producer over the whole thing. Or some company's going to come along and offer them, you know, some crazy amount of money to take control of everything and do what they want with it. It's going to be one or two scenarios. Yeah. Go. I don't know. I don't know. Like how what his last like testament was as far as. Using whatever he had in the vault, if he had anything written down, or I, don't I mean, know. if he didn't have a will, then if he yeah. didn't have a will, then people are going to do whatever they want to. Yeah, but you say, think, so knowing him, I don't know. But David, knowing him personally, do you think he wanted his music just to be distributed to the masses? If you had to, like, guess, or like, what would have been his ideal wish? Is he was such a, you know, he, he has it in there for a reason. I don't think he wanted. Probably didn't want this stuff released for a reason. Like, yeah, that's what I was guessing. Didn't feel comfortable, and my theory is that. Some of it, you know, some of it might not be, you know, to a, you know, to that level that we're used to. And then some of it probably is. And just because he was too close to it, he held it back. So there might be some really, and I'm sure there is, some really amazing things in there that, um, you know, that people would love to hear and share. So hopefully some of that stuff sees the light of day. That's true. Well, I mean, it's me too. I try to... Lighten the mood a little bit. I know. I mean, uh, I appreciate you telling us all this stuff because I know it's still close to heart for you. Not that it ever won't be, but you know what I mean. Sensitive right. to talk about stuff like this. But um, let's see. Won't go on for much more. But um, oh, the tour. Yeah, let's talk oh, yeah, about the tour. Yeah, you have a tour. You have a possible that, yeah. tour. You said you have a show in Minnesota coming up. Well, yeah, we haven't we haven't done a show since um since the Prince tour ended. Actually, we did one show in 2005 in Minneapolis. At Prince's Old Club, which was the Quest, uh, well, Grand Slam, but then the Quest. Um, so it's been 11 years since we've done a show, and I, uh, I went up to Minneapolis uh, a couple months ago, a month ago, and um, met with Kirk and uh, a couple other Prince's band members. We've been talking and we're thinking about doing our reunion show. I don't know how many shows or if we're going to do a new album or not, but we were thinking about just doing it for fun, just getting back together and just doing it. Um, you know, just to be with each other again and some, awesome. some sort of Prince fan and put something together. So we have a show in September in Minneapolis. Uh, trying to plan it out right now. Oh, okay. okay. More info on your website, right? Or where can the... Not, not yet. Not yet. Not, not yet. Okay. Well, if you do start, you know, if you get any ideas, let us know. We'll post it out for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah, yeah well... If you're promoted, if, you know, if, if not, even if you guys probably just decide to do a session, like you said, on your own, so cathartic to... Uh, get together and just freelance it or however they say it freestyle it I guess yeah. and you hadn't been back yeah. home in a long time right how many years have it been since you had come back home I haven't been to, I haven't been to Minneapolis in like six years seven years oh so I just it was um it was nice to just kind of soak up all the energy 
see to see the old gang there. I mean, did you feel like, wow, <laughs> time didn't pass? I was like, whoa. <laughs> a little bit of both. Some things were exactly the same, and then some things were extremely different. Yeah. Well, kind of, um... Oh, go ahead. No, I went out to Paisley, and that was, that was my first time back at Paisley in probably 10 years. And it was, uh... It was just, I don't know, it was really sad just seeing that, seeing that building just the way it is with all the stuff outside of it, which makes me, um, I just hope it goes in the right hands. I hope somebody does something great with it. I, feel, I think they will, but, you know, we'll see. So, um, what about with your, your current business? you have any, um, big projects coming up or anything people might recognize? Um... Well, I have my David made it, but I'm currently um, working for a company that that does a lot of big projects, BPG, uh, Big Picture Group, and they um, we're working on we're doing um, working on some campaigns right now for Jason Bourne movie for um, the movie Nerve that comes out today with um, James Franco and Emma Roberts. We're doing stuff for that. James, oh, James Franco. Um, yeah, I saw the commercials oh, okay. last night, but I wasn't sure what it was about, really. Yeah. That was the first time I saw um, it. But I don't really watch a hell of a yeah, lot of TV, so. Yeah. yeah, we got a bunch of stuff going on. It's just hard to remember. We do so much things, so many things. It's just, the days just kind of blur together sometimes. I don't even I know. Bet. And then, <laughs> and then, like, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll go in and I'll be like, oh, God, I should have said that. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. I can't even remember that stuff. <laughs> so uh, weird. It's so weird because, like, five years ago, I would have like killed to work on some of this stuff, and now that I'm working on it, I don't even realize. I forget half the stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, I forgot I did that. Yeah, it's a blur. So you get, you know, you get to sit back and look at, look back at it, right? And realize, especially, yeah. I mean, that at least you have that these days. Everything is documented online. Everything's out there. And you could go yeah. back and find it as opposed to the old days where, you know, if you didn't take your own pictures or write shit down, you, you weren't going to find anything anymore. People are so spoiled now that everything is, maybe it's a good and a bad thing, but it sits out there for perpetuity, as they say. Everything you do <laughs> is sitting out there, good or bad. We, we got to talk about Riley, your wonderful dog. Oh, that's right, yeah. I think Please. Uh, the dog with the tongue that's too big for his mouth. It's his trademark. It's his logo. Ah. It's his brand. Well, how everybody yeah. kind of dog he is? I got a 70-pound Boxer Lab Pitbull Mutt Mix, and his tongue's too big for his mouth, and he thinks he's uh, five pounds still when he tries to sit on me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> What's his, his dominant trait? He's very... <laughs> <laughs> he's like part kangaroo. He's bouncing everywhere and tries to jump on everybody. <laughs> He is That's quite a big dog. Yeah, he's quite a big dog too. <laughs> he's, he thinks he's a yeah. little one. Huh? He's just such a ham. He's a big. He's a big sweetheart though. Big mush. Does he have quite an appetite for being such a big dog, or he's not? Nah, not, not really. He's kind of a kind of an asshole. He always leaves his food out, and then he goes bad again. Like he's kind of a diva. He's a real picky eater. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I don't hear that too often, picky dog eaters, you know? Most of them are like... I know. <laughs> I know my friend's dog, you put the food down there, it's gone in 10 seconds. You don't even, even eat it, he just swallows it. My dog, I gotta like, I gotta coerce him into it. 
I gotta like rip up turkey or like some chicken and throw it on top. Like he just won't. And I try all kinds of food. It's not like I'm giving him. He gets like the really expensive organic home delivery food that puts my bank account. And he's eating better than I am, and he's still picky. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I've met him. I think he's absolutely adorable, but I'm just partial to big dogs too. So the bigger, the better, you know. Like it's never too big for me. And uh, yeah, you can play with him. You can do more. <laughs> I say he's my dog. So I'm just like he's so cute. I can't. He just takes over the room. He just takes over the car. He just he's so like. Yeah, he's got a lot of personality. Let's say you blessed to have something so big but so loving. You know? I uh, I take him to daycare twice a week, and so he gets to run around for ten hours while I'm working. They said out of the hundreds of dogs that come there, there's there's this sink there that has a sensor on it, so it turns on automatically. And they said he's the only dog that knows how to turn that sink on. He won't drink out of the bowls that the other dogs drink out of. He goes and he steps up, stands up, and puts his paw by the sensor and turns the sink on and drinks from the sink. <laughs> He's like, you dogs are such dogs. I am not a dog. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't drink this. Oh, I know what you know what I don't know where y'all been. Y'all mouths Oh my gosh, that is just amazing. You're not surprised though. You're like, yeah, I know, that is my dog, basically. I know. <laughs> All right then, well, um, it's been a pleasure. We won't keep you for too long. Um, uh, so just let everybody know, basically, your website, whatever, you know, your social media info for everybody out there, please. Websites, davidmadeit.com. Uh, all my handles are at David underscore made underscore it. Okay. And um guess that's it for us, right, babe? We're pretty much done wrapping it up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh for what do we got going for us? Uh, Coming up soon. Well, well, on yeah. We'll touch up on something soon. Okay, very soon. So don't think we but be MI. If I post this later this week, it's the twenty seventh we're recording this now, so Probably be up on Friday or Saturday. Yeah. So. In case you want to tell the whole world. <laughs> and again, David, thank I'll you so it. much. All you right. know, um, if anything comes up with that little tour or whatever may be, you know, let us know. We'll be happy to post, like I said, you know, or follow up with you, you know? I will. All right. All right. All right. Take Thanks. it easy. All right. All right, guys. Next time. Okay. Podcast about nothing.